Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And this morning, I want to answer the biggest question ever asked. (laughs) The biggest question ever asked is our agenda today. How many people want to go big? Somebody say go big or go home. We're going as big as you could possibly get. We're going to see how the biggest question relates to the biggest commandment. And that commandment is part of the fruit of the Spirit, the commandment to love. So why don't you go with me over to Luke chapter 10. I love Luke chapter 10, and it's referred to as the parable of the Good Samaritan. I've taught on this many times over the years. I've written about it in in, uh, uh, one of my books, uh, Rich Man Ken. You say, Ken what? Ken do a lot of things that you can't do without money. Build hospitals, orphanages, (laughs) churches, send people on missions, trips. Uh, shout people a meal. I don't, you know, you can do a lot when you have those kind of resources that you can't do without that. And uh, I want to just talk this morning and answer this question, starting in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. And we're we're going to go through this, and I'm going to do a bit of teaching, but I want you to follow me with it because it's going to answer the big question: What must I do? How do I how do I inherit eternal life? On one occasion, an expert in the law. Don't you hate experts? Everybody's an expert today. Social media, everybody's an expert because they can Google things. And uh, they're an expert. Uh, But there's a place for experts. If I'm going to go in for surgery, I want an expert operating on me. Thank you. I don't want somebody that's an amateur, doesn't know what they're doing. So there's a place for expertise. But this man is an expert in the law. And he stood up to test Jesus. Now, that's, that's amazing because this man is going to test the author, the author of life. You don't test God. You don't tempt God. And he's going to challenge God because he doesn't really see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God. So he stands up to test Jesus. Obviously, there's people there. And he says, teacher, he asked. And here is the biggest question ever asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Father, I thank you this morning that if we haven't asked that question, that we would ask it now. Lord, that we would grapple with this, come to an understanding of it, and that this would shape our way, shape our path, so that we can navigate through life knowing the answer to this question. For everybody here, amen. Biggest question ever asked. I cannot imagine anything bigger than knowing how do I get to a life after this life? Because if you've been to a funeral or two like I have, you just know this does come to an end. It doesn't go on forever. And I wouldn't want it to, to be quite frank with you. Even if I could don a 21-year-old body again, I wouldn't want to live in that forever, not in this world. Uh, I'm so thankful that there is a hereafter. But what do I have to do? Verse 26, Jesus is going to answer this question, and it's profound in its outworking through the the fruit of the Spirit, and especially the first fruit that's mentioned uh, of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. 
He says, what is written in the law? He's talking to an expert in the law. This man knows the laws of Moses. He said, what's written in the law? He replied, how, how do you read it? What's your, you're a lawyer, you're, you're an expert. What's, what's your interpretation of the laws of Moses? What did Moses say you must do? So he answers, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. That's, that word soul means passion. With all your strength, that's, that's your energy. And with all your mind, the Passion Translation translates mind this way. It says, your every thought and your neighbor is yourself. If you look at this as the requirement of eternal life, then I don't think heaven is going to be populated. I'm being honest for myself, and you can perhaps be honest with yourself, but if I was to say to you, uh, I love God with every thought, I wouldn't be telling the truth. There's a lot of thoughts that I have that, that don't show any kind of affinity or affection toward God. I mean, I do occasionally watch a movie. I'm not like thinking during the, the movie, oh God, I love you so much, the movie. God, I love, like every thought, seriously? All of my energy? <laughs> I do a lot of things that require my passion even and my energy that don't, don't actually show a love toward God. So to, be ans to answer this honestly, to think about the requirement here, if this is the requirement for eternal life, for living forever, how many of us could honestly say that I love God with every thought? Not almost every thought, not some thoughts, not occasionally. I love God with all my energy. No, you don't. You're lying. <laughs> I love God with all my passion. I don't have passion for the lions or the tigers or the bears or any of the other football teams. Great name, the roosters. I, I, I love God with everything that's in me all the time. No, you don't. Then it goes on, and he says this. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Think about the people that you encounter, if this is the neighbor that we have to love, like as ourselves. I encounter people all the time in desperate situations. If I truly love that person as myself, I could not go to bed at night in a comfortable bed in a comfortable house knowing that my neighbor is stranded somewhere on the street. I could not walk past one single person and leave me better off than them. I would literally have to take the clothes off my back, give them my house, give them my money if I truly love them as much as I love me. Impossible. Not going to happen. Heaven's going to be left to the angels and God. There won't be any people there if this is the requirement. This lawyer, this expert, the penny drops. <laughs> Dong. <laughs> I, he knows. He doesn't qualify because it's impossible. Well, Jesus says, verse 28, you've answered correctly. 
This is the requirement. Do this, and you will live. Not just you'll live till lunchtime, but do this, and you will live forever. Wow. But I can't. And the, and the expert knows this. And so verse 29, he says he wants to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, He's thinking really hard. Well, I don't love God with every thought. I don't love God with all my passion because I'm passionate about a whole lot of things, including the law. I, 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 I don't, my don'ts add up to way more than my do's. <laughs> and so he's looking for a way out of this as experts do. And he says this. He says, well, who is my neighbor. See, if I can identify that, then I got a loophole. Then I can get out of this. Maybe there's something in the commandments of Moses called the law that I qualify for because I know I don't qualify for the other bit about loving God with all my passion, mind, soul, heart. Maybe I qualify based on the love the neighbor bit. So Jesus gives this parable here, verse 30. In reply, and it's going to answer the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And you'll see how that flows into the fruit of the Spirit called love. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem is way above sea level compared to Jericho. Jericho's down in a, in a valley below sea level, actually. And, and the word Jer Jerusalem means city of peace or, or, or place of peace. And, and Jericho means a place of fragrance. It's a crushing. It's where the flowers were, were crushed. It was a city pretty well known uh, all throughout history. It was totally destroyed. And, and a prophecy was given. Anybody that rebuilds Jericho, there's, there's a curse on them. So I want you to see this now. I could teach this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I could, we could stop on verse 30, probably have the whole meeting, but we're not going to do that this morning. So, so this man, he's going down, literally traveling down from Jerusalem, a place of peace, to uh, Jericho, which is a cursed place. And he was attacked by robbers. Now they did three things with him. They stripped him of his clothing. They beat him, and they went away. And notice the terminology here. They, they left him half dead. Now, I, just to um, kind of cut to the chase with this, this man represents Adam and all of humanity to follow. Jesus, uh, God told uh, Adam in the garden, he says, don't, don't eat of that fruit. The day that you eat of that fruit, it wasn't an apple, but it doesn't say what kind of fruit it was, but uh, he says, you eat of that, in that day dying, you shall surely die. They ate of that fruit. They didn't die physically on that day. They died spiritually. In other words, they were what? Half dead. They lived on. Adam lived on to be quite old. I don't remember how many years, seven, nine hundred years, something like that. Uh, but three things entered in on that day. Spiritual death and a curse called poverty entered in, and sickness and, and disease. And so this man represents all of us. That because of the curse, we see this in our world today. People go, oh, how could all that bad stuff be going? Go right on back to that day when Adam ate what God told him not to eat, and the curse entered in, and that has left 
people left half dead to this day. People being beaten, uh, abused, starvation, all the problems that we see when we look around. People go, well, I don't understand how that could have happened. Tell me why. Why? He represents all of humanity. And God said, on the day you shall surely die. He was half dead. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the road. And, and I'll, I'll show a little bit about that priest. He, he, when, he, when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came, and he came to the place, he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. Now, the priest and the Levite were descendants of Levi, which is one of the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. All, all priests were, all priests were Le Levites, but not all Levites were in the priesthood. The priests were the ones that provided music in the temple. They did the ceremonial duties. The uh, Levites and the priests are given special religious status, uh, singers, musicians, guards. They represent the law. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The gravity of this to this Jewish man in our Western culture and not living in, in Israel and non-Jews, most of us would, would not hit us. But there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. Uh, there's a whole history of how they deviated from Israel's path and they inter, intermarried and bred with other people. But um, this, this, this word Samaritan, they were considered unclean. Disciples wanted to call down fire on Samaritans. You might remember when uh, Jesus deviated from what, what he could have uh, uh, done a clear path to getting where he was going. He stopped at a well to meet this woman, and she was a Samaritan. He had to go through Samaria, and the disciples like, could any good, there's nothing good in, in Samaria. Like, these people are, they're enemies, they're half-breeds. He went out of his journey to speak with her. The Jew didn't see anything good in Samaritans. But the fruit of the Spirit causes us to see people the way God sees people. Now today, if we were to put this in current vernacular, and I, I, this, you know, this is how pointed it is, it would be like giving a parable to a Jew and saying a good Nazi went down the road. Like what? <laughs> you could fill in the blank with whatever gets up your nose or whatever you find repulsive in your life. That's that, that person, there's nothing good that could possibly be in them to stop and help anybody. But the fruit of the Spirit, and, and it is called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, versus the acts of the flesh. In other words, our self-effort, the fruit that flows from the Spirit of, of God through even the most vile person should cause in all of us to see things totally different. So this Samaritan, I can imagine this expert already just cringing, like a Samaritan went down the road? Are you kidding me? And he stopped? 
to help somebody that was fallen. I'm glad it wasn't me because if I touch the Samaritan or if the Samaritan touches me, I'm going to be unclean. The priest had to walk past because he could not touch something, someone that was fallen because he would be unclean. So he walks past, sees the blood, all the rest, and goes, no thank you. The Levite, same thing. According to the law, I'll be, I'll be ceremonial, unclean. I cannot go then and do my duties in the temple. He looks, it's repulsive. The man's in need, I know that, but I can't help it. I'm not going to help him. So he passes by on the other side. The law, the requirements to be perfect are never going to help fallen humanity ever. It just puts a burden on people. Basically, the burden is to the fallen man, get up and be and, and walk, and, and you don't need anybody else because you have to. Well, this Samaritan walks past, cannot help himself, even though he doesn't, isn't qualified. He gets off his donkey and helps the man. Love has perfect vision, and who you're following is revealed by what you see. The fruit of love, joy, peace, all, all of these fruits reveal who you're following. And what you see is determined by who you are. So when I walk into, uh, uh, for, for me being an ex-painter, I, I walk into a display home and I, I can see per imperfections in the paint because I used to paint. If you're driving a particular car, you'll see more of those cars on the road than any other car because of perception. And when, I, when, when, when you see things based on who you are, if you're not seeing things the way God sees things, then you know what you've got to change. So the question, will you see people through God's eyes or, or be limited by your own? Will you learn to love as God loves? You've not learned to love until you love someone, however, that's different from you. People, people limit love to their likeness. They really love their own kind. I've noticed, anybody noticed that in this world? Very few people love somebody of a different kind. And, and in fact, Romans 13, it says that, uh, that he who loves another, another of a different kind, has fulfilled the law. We're to love one another of the same kind, but he who, who, he who, who loves another of a different kind, that person has fulfilled the law. Ties right in with what we're talking about. So if you're green, it's easy to love green people. I love all the green people because it's me. I'm looking at me. The priest walking past, if it was a priest, maybe something would have been different, but it's not. If it was a Jew, I don't know. Maybe something would have been different. In the Levite, same thing. But all they saw was the reflection of themselves which is them keeping the law, which is idolatry. Do you remember when Israel melted down all the mirrors? They formed when Moses was up on the mountain, and Aaron's in charge, and they, they melt down all the, all the people's mirrors, and, they form, and, and all the gold, rather, all the silver, and they, they form idols. So they could see their reflection in the fires as they're dancing, and they're, they're partying. They could see themselves. In the reflection, they, they, they were into idol worship. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
love is also colorblind. All that the priests and the Levites saw was their own image in the mirror of religion. They worshipped, as most people do today, the idol called self. Well, anything that you're looking at more than God is an idol. The golden calf, the singing, the dancing, what it's, it's all about me. <laughs> Everything, it's all about me. Whereas God sees you and he sees his son. So who do you see when you look at yourself? Who do you see when you look at other people? Jesus saw his image in the man. Surely he hath borne the man's sickness and carried all of his sins. But what do you see when you look at people? So there's a part of each of us and all of us. I can't look at you and not see a part of me because we're all human. I can't look at you by your color, your ethnicity, whether you can speak English or not, whether you're Aussie or American or wherever you're from. I can't look at you and not see part of me, and I can't look at a person and not see part of fallen humanity that's also in me. That, that's humility. The priest and the Levite, they got to pass by on the other side. I believe one of the greatest signs of the end times, and it says this, the sign of the end times is that the love of many will wax cold. We're seeing that right now. Verse 34, this, this man went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Oil was from crushed olives. Wine is from crushed grapes. So how does this have to do with the fruit of the Spirit? Both of those are fruit. Both of them requ required crushing. The, the wine represents the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. The oil is a type of the Holy Spirit which anoints and powers and flows into us for healing and flows through us, through the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. God's, God's fruit flowed into fallen humanity to cleanse, to heal, and to restore. God expects uh, from us to take the fruit from his Spirit and do likewise. So he puts the man on his own donkey and he brings him to an inn, which I believe is a type of the church to take care of him. Verse 35. And the next day he took out two denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wages. And it says in, in 2 Peter 3.8, it says, A day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is of a day. Two days' wages, two denarii, if each denarii represents a thousand years. It's about the time that's transpired from the time that Jesus walked the earth and gave this parable until now. It's roughly two days' wages. He said, give it to the innkeeper, look after him, and when I return, oh, aren't you glad he's coming back? Uh, when, when I return, I'll reimburse you if there's any extra expense that you have. In other words, if it goes past the two days' wages, the, the two denarii, which it certainly has, he says, don't worry, I will repay. Love is extravagant, friends. Verse 36, which of these three, remember the, the question, who is my neighbor? You, do you remember the big question? What, what must I do to inherit 
eternal life. Here it is. Who is your neighbor? He answers this. And he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now, this gets preached so much from a us standpoint, from a action of works standpoint. You have to be a good Samaritan. Oh, such a good person. You're a good Samaritan. You're not a good Samaritan at all. Which of these three, Jesus says? There was only three that went down the road. The fallen man can't be the good Samaritan. He can't be the neighbor. He's fallen. Which of these three? The priest? Obviously not. (laughs) Not the neighbor. The Levite's not the neighbor. So the neighbor is pretty obvious. The neighbor is the good Samaritan. However, Jesus said this. He says, there's no good but God. Nobody's good but God. So there really is no other choice to answer this, to answer the big question on how, how, what must I do to inherit eternal life if the answer is in who is the neighbor that I must love as myself. It's pretty obvious that the neighbor that you must love is, as yourself has to be one of these three people that passed that pass by. Only one stopped. And it's pretty obvious who that one is. So the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. He wouldn't even say the word Samaritan. Now herein is our assignment and the purpose of the fruit. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. Love is in the likewise. You'll never earn it. You can't be truly the good Samaritan. That's audaciously wrong. Nobody qualifies for that. But to go and do likewise, if I'm following him, if the Spirit of God moves through me, and the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is when you behave as Jesus behaves. So the question from who is my neighbor shifts here to who was a neighbor. Do you notice that? Originally the question was, who is my neighbor? Now the question is, who was a neighbor? God wants to take us from who's your neighbor to who do you want to be a neighbor to? That's the purpose of of the fruit of the Spirit, moving from who qualifies to be loved to who gives love in an unqualified way, who qualifies to receive my love to I will love everyone in an unqualified way. I believe the challenge for us is to quit trying to decide who qualifies to be loved and start demonstrating love that knows no qualifications. Love moves you out of your neighborhood. Whatever that translates into your world, whatever tribe, kindred, culture, nation, whatever your color, love will move you out of the neighborhood. Love will cause you to follow the good Samaritan who who is the neighbor that we must love as ourselves to inherit eternal life, to follow him and to let his spirit flow through because the fruit of the spirit is exactly that. It's the fruit of his spirit, not our own self-effort and our own works. We won't let anybody stay. Love doesn't let people stay where they're at. 
Love, love directs you to, to people that are hurting. The neighbor is the Samaritan, not the injured man. The neighbor is not the Levite, not the priest. And the only neighbor that you must love as yourself to inherit eternal life is Jesus. A relationship with him. This is eternal life, says in John 17, 3. Listen to this. Now, this is the answer to the question. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Ha, what must I do to live forever in heaven? What, what must I do to enter heaven? What must I, the big question right here. Know God through Jesus Christ. To love him is to know him. It's impossible for anybody else to be that good to get into heaven. Have you ever fallen in love and don't have to answer this question? <laughs> Well, hopefully if you're married, you, you did that. Uh, maybe your answer is like, no, I never have. I haven't even had a date yet. It's okay. It's all, it's all good. But if you've fallen in love, and I use that expression, fallen in love, you'll know that there's a difference between boy sees girl, boy goes, whoo-hoo, man. <laughs> girl sees boy, whoo, look out. But that's not falling in love. That's, that's the cover of the book. That's not love. That's kind of the entree, if you will. It's kind of an enticing thing. Falling in love is a process. And when we're talking about the fruit of, of the Spirit, it's how much of God's Spirit am I allowing to flow through me? That, that process is what God's interested in. It's not a dogmatic requirement. Jump over this and you're in heaven and go through the pearly gates. This is something of a lifetime. Who are you following? Who, are, who you're following is who you're falling in love with. Uh, I look at my own life and I think, wow, the journey has, has been uh, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of first seeing uh, the gospel and seeing Christians and, and, and have an encounter with Jesus, but that's, that's just the start. Love, the process of love uh, is a whole journey called life. And if we had to fully love God with everything, every thought, passion, everything else from the get-go, then we could see the cover of the book and go, yeah, I want that but we wouldn't qualify for the rest of it. It's an amazing process to fall in love with God. It's falling in love with the most amazing person ever. <laughs> falling in love God with God starts with a decision. Falling is following. It takes time to fall in love with God. It takes time getting to know Him, developing a, a history that's why it's said in John 17, this is eternal life, that you may know him. I, I don't know somebody. You, don't, you, you, you see a, a somebody of, of the other, you know, somebody attractive that you might eventually fall in love with, but you don't know that person. You just think, man, man, she's, you know, wow. He's really, you know, good looking and great sense of humor, but 
You don't love them yet. You kind of love what they look like or something else. Now we see in a, in a, a poor reflection in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even, even as I am fully known, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. So God's deepest desire with the fruit of the Spirit of love is that we might know Him. We might fall in love with Him. Have you ever thought, why does God use fruit? Why does God use fruit to describe the character or the attributes of somebody that's following Him? You know, there's, there's a lot of other food groups or food types that God could have used. He could have used animals. The animals of the Spirit is love. He could have used insects. The, the grasshoppers of the Spirit. He could have used vegetables. The vegetables of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, long-suffering. No, he uses fruit. I think way back in the garden, what, what did he use to entice Adam and Eve to the tree of life? It was fruit. What does the devil use to entice you? It's fruit. God uses fruit. You've ever thought about if love was genuinely a fruit, literally rather, what kind of fruit would love be? Would it be beautiful, sweet, red, juicy like a strawberry? Would it be big, juicy, and red and sweet like a watermelon? What kind of fruit, if it was literal fruit, fruit what kind of fruit would it be? Uh, I don't think it really matters, to be honest. The, the fact is that qualities of fruit are the same. Fruit are easily picked not hard to get, not like the law, not, not where you've got to jump through all these hoops to get, some, to, get to, the, to, to get to the Spirit of God. Fruit is like, there it is, take it. And, and the purpose of fruit is really clear. The fruit, fruit, the purpose of fruit is to attract people to God. Uh, if it wasn't for fruit, so how, how can I tell if fruit is from the Spirit or not. Have you ever walked outside of a Krispy Kreme place where Krispy Kremes were literally being baked? When, when, when Krispy Kreme first came out, I, I was in Dallas, my brother said, oh, you gotta see these donuts, now they're old hat. But we came, we went to the place, they were baking these things, they're coming down a conveyor belt. You could smell the, 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 the smell of these donuts outside and it was like, ah. Oh. So well, come on in, we'll get, we'll get a dozen of these things. And, and the smell was so attractive. It was so beautiful. And, and I think about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the reason I believe he used fruit is because fruit is what, what is attracting you to God. The fruit itself of love isn't so that you can just feel loved as an end in itself. You're, the fruit of, of, of love flowing from the Spirit through you, the branch. Knowing there's nothing attractive about a branch, I've never been attracted to a branch yet. I don't know about you. Oh, it's a beautiful branch. No, it's the fruit that's attractive. <laughs> but what's it attractive for? 
not just so somebody can eat and feel love, but it points and directs to the Savior, the, the provider, the vine, the, the source of the fruit to, well, I want to get to know the person behind this fruit. But any fruit that doesn't lead to Jesus, it's not the fruit of the Spirit. So there's like fruit stores full of self Effort fruit that points to us. It's called fame. Look at me. We even call it idols. <laughs> it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit, all right. But how do I tell if my fruit is from the Spirit of God, if it's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, who's it lead to? Who, 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 who does it make that person desire more? You. You're so kind. Oh, look at me, I'm so kind. Well, that's nice. Don't be mean and ugly, but the fruit of the Spirit of kindness is always pointing to Him. Oh, you're such a lovely person. They, they just gush love all, all over. That's, that's fantastic, but, but the fruit of the Spirit called love leads people to Jesus, not to you. The fruit of the Spirit's not for me. It's for other people. What's it for? Just to give them a gushy love, to put a smile on their face, give them a happy day. Oh, the fruit of peace. Peace be with you. And you too, brother. <sighs> now the fruit, God used fruit because it's, it's attractive. The fruit of the Spirit is what attracts people to God. Fruit is what you allow God to do through you that draws people to Him. So we're going to close in a moment. And uh, in fact, the moment's just about here. <laughs> but I want us all to stand. The fruit's not an indictment. The fruit is not a work it up. That's the acts of the flesh, which in the very beginning of Galatians 5, which we didn't, uh, didn't really look at, God said the, the acts of the flesh, the, the desires, the doesn't use fruit of, of that. Fruit is just a process. It's a, it's a result. It's not a work it up. The tree doesn't work it up. The acts of the flesh and he lists a whole bunch of those at the beginning of Galatians 5. But then he says this, Paul does. We didn't look at it, but he says the same thing. He says, but all of that is fulfilled in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. The only neighbor, the only good Samaritan that you could ever love for eternal life to answer the big question is Jesus Christ the neighbor is your savior he knows you you can't do it you can't you, you can't love the down and out person as much as you love you. you you can't think every thought about God are you kidding me all your passion forget about your footy games and bands that you follow whatever everything about God now he knows that but he also knows that 
If you'll just get your eyes on Jesus, get your eyes on his son, if you'll see that he is the only good Samaritan and that you are the fallen man by the road or woman, if you'll just look up to him, he's got off his dock, he's reached down to rescue you and all he requires of us is follow me, follow me. Let, the, let my spirit flow through you. You'll have fruit. That fruit is for other people. It's the result of you following me. And all the counterfeit fruit that's out there trying to attract us so that we look good, why don't we just see it for what it is? It's rotten fruit on the vine. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. Let's just drop that I find that really releasing. I find that such a relief. Like I, can, I can't perform up to the standard of Moses' law, and neither can you if you're honest. So let's let that go. Let's recognize who the Samaritan is, who the neighbor is, who we must love as ourselves. And start loving him by letting his spirit flow through us to a really hurting world. And let's love people that are different. Let's not be the Pharisee and the Levite. Stick to our own, us four no more. Let's, let's get out. God's waiting for his church. He's waiting for a place where he can bring fallen people into an inn, say, take care of them, look after them, love your neighbor. Father, I just thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you also that we would fall in love with you and realize love is a process. It starts with a decision, but it goes through a whole journey, and it ends in a beautiful result called eternal life. If you've never asked him, you've never made that decision to ask Jesus into your heart, I want to give you that opportunity. We do this every meeting because I would not like to think that I walked out and left you without an opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to be the neighbor that you would love as yourself. Father, I thank you right now for each person's heart. Hearts are being stirred in this place, perhaps if you're watching online. Offer you the same decision to ask Jesus into your heart. So let's pray this prayer together. You can repeat it out loud. Repeat it after me. Say, I turn from myself. I turn from my sin. Whatever I'm looking at, I turn and I look to you. I don't measure up. So I'm thanking you from going from Jerusalem to where I'm at, Jericho, and reaching down and saving me. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. 
Let your spirit flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.